Officers involved Bennett in a fictitious criminal organization. In the video, the Crown says that Bennett believed that one of the undercover police officers had a contact that could create corrupt medical examiner reports. I loved her. I didn't mean to do it. I really did. I was just angry. Welcome or welcome back. I'm Cassie and this is a Wicked World. The story I have for you today is actually one that I had to set aside when I first started researching it because it just hurt my heart so much. This poor little girl was killed by an evil man-child for an absolutely absurd reason. This is the story of Ivy Wick. Ivy Wick was born on July 12, 2014 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada to her mother, Helen Wordsworth, and her father, Chris Wick. Ivy was said to be a very spunky, fun, charismatic, and incredible little girl. After splitting up with Ivy's father, Chris, her mother, Helen, had primary custody of her daughter. And shortly after this split, Helen started dating and living with a new boyfriend named Justin Bennett, at their apartment at the Pine Ridge Green Apartment Complex in Calgary. So Helen was working at a nearby 7-Eleven and she was paying all of the family's bills. This was because Justin, who was said to be very immature, also had no job. By choice. And on top of that, to make things even more stressful around the home, Justin had a video gaming addiction and he would spend Helen's money on more video games, as well as drugs, alcohol, and collectible figurines. So on the morning of September 27, 2017, Helen woke up and took a shower. Right before she had gone into the shower though, Ivy had been acting up for her mother, and Helen had made the little girl go stand in a corner while she got ready. Justin, who was home, of course, because he had no job, was sitting there playing Call of Duty. While in the shower, Helen heard her daughter yelling, and she figured that she was throwing a tantrum yet again. So she yelled at the little girl to go to her room. But when Helen came out of the bathroom, Justin was standing there, holding little Ivy in his arms, and she was unconscious. The couple called 911 at 11.32 a.m. to request emergency medical services be sent to their apartment. Upon the first responders' arrival, Justin gave them an explanation as to why Ivy was unconscious. But this explanation would become less and less clear as he was pressed further for details. Justin told police that Ivy had been sent to her bedroom as punishment for throwing a tantrum. He said that he had seen the little girl running towards her bedroom when suddenly she tripped and fell. Hard. He said that she then got back up continued going into the bedroom, and then he heard a scream. Initially, he stated that when he got into the bedroom, Ivy was laying there unconscious. However, when an officer asked Justin to show him exactly how it had happened, how Ivy had tripped, things became a little bit more unclear, and Justin became nervous. In a later statement, Justin would tell police that when he found Ivy in her bedroom, she was actually laying on the floor crying and conscious before she then blacked out. Now, as I said, Justin seemed very nervous, and he didn't really have any other emotion besides that. 
Helen, however, did seem upset, and she was crying at the scene. So Ivy was rushed to the Alberta Children's Hospital, where she was then placed on life support. She would then remain on life support for eight days until she finally succumbed to her injuries and died on October 5th, 2017. The doctors who had assessed Ivy when she first came into the hospital did not believe that her injuries were consistent with a fall, as Justin had said. Ivy's injuries, however, were consistent with a homicide. Doctors also observed other injuries on Ivy's body that suggested she had been abused in the past. There was bruising on both the left and right side of her head, as well as the back of her neck. The Calgary Police Homicide Unit then began investigating her death as a homicide. And an autopsy of Ivy's little body would confirm that she had indeed died from blunt force trauma. Given the injuries that Ivy had sustained, investigators were extremely suspicious that there was a possibility that additional people had noticed signs of abuse prior to the little girl's death. They asked anyone with any information to come forward. At the same time, Ivy's mother, Helen, and stepfather, Justin, were not being very cooperative with police. They refused to tell them what had really happened to little Ivy on the morning of September 27th. So even though doctors said that Ivy's injuries could not have happened from a simple fall, like Justin and Helen were saying... A fundraising page called Ivy Wick Funeral Fund popped up, looking for help for Ivy's parents with funeral expenses. It claimed that the little girl had been rushed to the hospital after she had fallen off a bed this time and hurt her head. The page was taken down shortly after, however. The thing was, no arrest had yet been made. Police said it was because they did not have enough evidence. Yeah, figure that one out. The little girl had signs of abuse, but there was no evidence that they had killed her. Huh? So investigators decided to launch an undercover operation, an operation known as Mr. Big. This is a type of investigation where undercover officers befriend a suspect and bring them into their fake organization, trying to elicit a confession. So the goal of this operation was to convince the suspects, Justin and Helen, that police were closing in on an arrest. And if they provided a detailed confession to the head of the group, Mr. Big, then Mr. Big would be able to help them cover up evidence and or flee out of the state. So even though it's said that this investigation was meant to target both Helen and Justin, only Justin was recruited into the fake organization by the undercover police. And yes, Justin and Helen were still together, even though Justin had clearly killed her child. By now, with Justin's lack of a job or clearly any motivation, the couple was nearly homeless. So when the undercover cops with their fake organization gave Justin a job, took him out to nice restaurants and parties, befriended him, and paid him well, the couple was more than happy to accept all of it. They were thrilled with their new lifestyle, and Justin was enjoying his new group of friends. Now, Justin knew that police were indeed investigating him for Ivy's death, but he had no suspicions at all that the police had befriended him and were part of this organization. Nearly a year after Ivy's death, when police were finally closing in on an arrest, the group convinced Justin to be brought to their leader, Mr. Big, so that he could help him. Previously, Justin had also witnessed an undercover scenario where the police and the fake group pretended that another man in the same group had been sent away and protected after he had assaulted a woman. And now Justin thought they could do the same for him. 
Mr. Big told Justin that they had access to a corrupt medical examiner, and they could help him manipulate evidence as well as provide a false medical report. This would therefore keep Justin out of trouble. However, he first needed to tell Mr. Big all the details of what had happened to Ivy, so they could make sure that they covered it up correctly, they told him. And it worked. Justin believed it, and he told them everything. On September 5th, 2018, Justin came clean to the undercover officers in great detail about what had happened to little Ivy. Police said his description finally matched the medical evidence that had been found. The story of what happened to Ivy, according to what Justin had told Mr. Big, was that on September 27th, 2017, Helen had ordered the little girl to stand in the corner of the apartment because she had been misbehaving at breakfast. After that, Helen went to take a shower. During her shower, Justin was playing video games when suddenly Ivy started throwing another tantrum, screaming and crying. Justin said he then gave the child an angry look before getting up to make sure that Helen was still indeed in the shower. Then he punched the three-year-old in the head for interrupting his video games, which he does all damn day anyways. And this part is so sad. After he punched her in the head, she just looked up at him and said, I'm sorry, Daddy. This, for some reason, further enraged Justin, and he grabbed the little girl by the head and threw her into the wall. F you're sorry, basically, is how he described it. Even after these two blows, Ivy was still able to get to her feet, though unable to walk in a straight line. Justin said she looked very dazed at this point. In his words, he had pushed her pretty hard because he had just snapped. And that was the point that Helen from the shower heard her daughter scream. She immediately assumed that Ivy was having another tantrum and yelled from the shower for her to go to her room. I don't know about you, but I can definitely tell the difference between a hurt cry and a tantrum cry. And what did she think that huge bang was when Justin threw her little girl into the wall? She had to have heard it. So on her mother's instructions, Ivy began running to her room, but Justin decided he was not done with hurting her. So on the way, he tripped her, and she again hit her head hard. Justin said that even though she had hit her head on the hardwood floor, she was still able to get back up and continue on to her bedroom. But when Justin went in there to check on the toddler, she was lying on the floor unconscious. Still? Yeah. When she walked Punched her. Right, that's right. So you smoked her in the top of the head? She looked at me and said, I'm sorry, Johnny, and then yeah. enraged me. Yeah. Threw her up against that wall. And she fell, I guess it must have been the final blow. She got f***ed up. I saw it on her face after I smacked her head off the wall. She was pretty dazed. Couldn't walk a straight line. So did you stroke her in the head after? You smashed her in the wall? Or was that before? Just before. Okay, explain. So two? Okay. Well, I punched her in the head. Okay. Like I told you, I boom, right down on top of her. Uh, was she standing up? Was she already down? Or? She was standing up. And then I walk over to her. Boom. Grabbed her. Boom. Okay, so hold on. So on that, that there, the first time you you hit her, on top of that. Yeah. And that's how you got a swollen knuckle. So you hit her with a fist, 
Yeah. How hard did you hit her? Well, hard. Justin told the undercover officer that he had a kind of hate towards Ivy, and that's why he had hurt her. He said he was tired of taking care of such an ungrateful child, and she didn't respect or listen to anything. And during this conversation, apparently Justin got teary-eyed. As he told the police officer that despite treating Ivy as his own, she was very unappreciative. But Justin said he never lost his temper with his own son, Things with Ivy were just different. He couldn't control himself for some reason. Yes, he had a son. He had just said that he treated Ivy like his own, so that was clearly a lie. On top of that, Justin told the undercover officer that the fatal blows to Ivy were not the first time he had assaulted her. He said the first time he had knocked her out, he had pushed her up against the corner of a wall, and she kind of tensed up and her body started spazzing. Justin also said that after he had killed Ivy, he hadn't told anyone, including Helen, what he had done. In fact, he said that he tried to kill himself after this incident, so he didn't have to face any repercussions. Justin thought it would be an easy way out because he didn't want to be labeled as a monster. Newsflash, you can still be labeled a monster even if you're dead. After his confession, which was also caught on tape... Justin was placed under arrest and charged with second-degree murder. But all of the evidence that was related to the year-long investigation was being heard in a voir dire, which means the judge was yet to determine whether or not it was admissible. Luckily, the judge would end up determining that they could use it in court as evidence. During his three-week trial in November of 2020, Justin's defense attorney said that his client should not be believed about his confession. The only reason that Justin had confessed, he said, was because he did not want to lose everything. And Justin would have done anything at that point to maintain his lifestyle and stay in his fake criminal organization. Justin testified that he had just made up a story to go with the medical evidence that had been found. And Justin's attorney would say that his client liked to tell tall tales and lie to impress his new friends. Therefore, this would make a false confession much more likely. During this trial, Justin would be questioned about Ivy's mother, Helen, as well as her biological father, Chris Wick. Justin would allege that one time Ivy had come back from her father's house with a black eye. And another time, he said she came back with a leg injury. Justin also painted Helen as the one most capable of abusing her daughter. He testified that Helen would get very angry with the little girl and flick her in the lip and one time had carried her to her bedroom by the ankle. On another occasion, he alleged that Helen had locked Ivy in her room almost all day so that she could clean the house. Justin went on to tell the courtroom his new version of what had happened on September 27th to Ivy. Justin said that that morning he had been playing video games when suddenly he heard a thump as well as Ivy scream. Justin said he then found Ivy laying on her bedroom floor. He, however, could not remember if the little girl's eyes were open or closed, he said, but there were no visible signs of any injuries. He thought that she was only screwing around, he said. However, when he picked her up, she was lifeless, motionless, and she slumped over. Now, Justin, who was apparently legally married at the time of Ivy's murder, said he was also worried about the $300 ambulance cost. So he had called his wife, who was a nurse, before he had called 911 that day. I'm not sure what she's going to do. Is she going to be able to magically make it not cost $300? Like, 
she's going to have to go to the hospital. Justin's defense attorney also put Helen on the stand and began to question her. He was trying to put the blame for her daughter's death on her. Helen, of course, repeatedly denied the claims made by the attorney. She said she did not hurt her daughter or kill her. The defense's theory was that Helen had gotten angry at Ivy and she had lost control. They said that at one point they believed she had grabbed her by the ears and violently shaken the little girl to make her stop screaming. They said that then Helen released the little girl and she ran into her bedroom. Shortly after, Helen would hear a thump and a scream and then the defense said that she retreated to the bathroom. And the lawyer also suggested that his client, Justin, was willing to lie to protect Helen. That's why they're throwing her under the bus then, right? That makes sense. So even though the defense tried to convince the courtroom that Justin had lied in his confession and Helen was the one to kill Ivy, the prosecution stated that the medical evidence was indeed consistent to what Justin had told undercover police. At the end of his trial in March 2021, Justin Bennett would end up being convicted of second-degree murder. However, his sentencing has been delayed for years as he's fired multiple lawyers and tried to have a mistrial declared at the end of 2023. His former defense attorney said that Justin was lying just to get a mistrial. No surprise there. It also came forward that at the time Ivy had suffered her fatal head trauma Justin had been playing online gaming with a man named Christopher Greco, and Christopher had heard the scream that Ivy had let out before she fell unconscious. And Justin was trying to say that his former lawyer told him to hide this from the court during his trial, an allegation that his former lawyer strongly denied. However, this motion for a mistrial would end up being denied. So even though Justin has yet to receive his sentence, he's automatically facing life in prison for his second-degree murder charge. It's just a matter of how many years he'll have to wait until he's eligible for parole. And the court date for that decision is scheduled for this month, February of 2024. The prosecution is pushing for Justin to spend 15 years in prison before he's eligible for parole. But Justin's new lawyer is saying that it should only be 13 years. Not that it's a huge difference. Justin's lawyer tried to make the case that his client was exceedingly immature at the time of Ivy's death. He also argued that Justin had been raised in an unstable home and had no idea how to be a parent. But Justin was a caregiver for Ivy, and he had delayed calling 911 as well as lied to medical staff about what had really happened. The prosecution said in court, Ivy was brutally murdered by Justin Bennett. The final moments of her short life must have been filled with pain and terror. And for what? Because she was doing what three-year-olds do? Because Mr. Bennett thought she was ungrateful? Because Mr. Bennett wanted to play video games instead of taking care of her. Justin's attorney would also speak about how his client has been assaulted over 50 times in jail and now wants to be placed into protective custody. Ivy's family also read their victim impact statements aloud in court. Ivy's mother Helen would say... I will never forgive you for taking my child out of my arms. I hope her face haunts you until the day you die. You took your anger out on an innocent child who didn't know why she was being punished. Then Ivy's grandmother, Ellie Wordsworth, spoke. 
She said that her granddaughter was so happy and gentle, and now her thoughts only go back to the day that her granddaughter was killed. She thinks about how Ivy must have been so scared and confused and didn't know why Justin was hurting her. She went on to tell Justin that her and her husband are normally forgiving people and don't hate anyone. However, they will never forgive Justin and hate him from the bottom of their hearts. Well, thank you for listening to all of Ivy's story today. This story brought me to tears when I was researching it. The fact that she stood up and apologized and called him daddy, and then he continued to beat her until she was unconscious and then died. And I also wonder if Ivy's mom knew more than she let on. She wasn't cooperating with police after And there's no way she could have believed Justin's story, especially when doctors were coming back and saying that there's no way Ivy could have died in the manner that Justin was telling them. So, but I hope this immature jerk Justin doesn't get parole at all because he doesn't seem to have anything to offer to society anyways. So if you do like true crime and you want to hear it from me, then don't forget to hit that subscribe button below and turn on new notifications too so you'll know when I upload a new video, which is two to three times every week. Thanks for watching on Wicked World today. Until next time, take care guys. Bye. Thank you for being patrons of A Wicked World. Adina, Allie, Amanda, Amy, Angela, Angie, Brandy, Carrie, Catherine, Cecilia, Celia Cruz, Claire, Danielle, Danny J, Drew, Eric, Frank, Georgia, Haley, Hannah, Jackie, Jen, Jennifer, Kara, Christy, Lori, Marion, Mary, Mel, Mimi, MJ Kelly, Neoma, Nikki, Owen, Ray, Robin, Sharon, Starlit Sky, Stephanie, Susan, Tammy B, Tammy S, Tamra, and Whisper216. You guys rock. Now, there's even more of a wicked world on Patreon. You'll have access to exclusive videos each month and more. Any support truly helps to make sure the victims never get forgotten and to highlight the shortcomings of society associated with each case. So check it out at patreon.com slash a wicked world or use the Patreon app. Do you have a suggestion for a case you'd like to see me cover? If so, send me an email at awickedworldtruecrime at gmail.com.